Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. 8.40. Tonight we're going to be learning Maseche Sukkah, Daf Yutes, Amud Beis, and Daf Kaf. And we'll be ending at the, at the parak in Yerta Hashem on Kaf Amud Beis, about two-thirds of the way down. Uh, this is quite a long parak. 20 blood is a long parak. There are other Masechtas that have long first prakim. This is one of them. Um, and what we're going to be doing tonight is learning from a fresh Mishnah. And we'll be learning a couple of Mishnahs tonight. Uh, two of them, actually. Let's get started. Yutes Amud Beis, three lines down. If a person makes a sukkah in the shape of a dome, or if you make it in a way where it's leaning up against a wall, just on an angle, so there seems to be that there's no roof. In the first case, there's no flat roof because it's rounded. And in the second case, there's no roof because it's just leaning on an angle against the wall. That's a machlokas in the Tanaim. Rabbi Eliezer was of the opinion that these two types of sukkahs are invalid because they don't have ceilings. A round ceiling is not a ceiling. Okay, that's an interesting halacha that requires research, but uh, clearly for the halachos of sukkah, it is not considered to be a sukkah. I just saw, I was walking by someone's house on Shabbos, and I took notice of a, of a sukkah that they had built. We'll see in a moment why their sukkah was kosher. They had like, a, you know, like built up a, a porch, and then they had poles going up for the top, but the top of the sukkah wasn't, the top, their, sl- their uh, rafters at the top was on an angle like this. So that's kind of a problem, according to this mission. Are you allowed to have your roof on an angle? We'll see in a moment why that's not a problem. But Rabbi Eliezer says, So let's get into the Gemara, Yud Testament base, five lines down. Tana, the Brysa writes, Mode Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, who in our Mishnah was posel, he does agree, she'im in akarka tefach, that if you raise these two sukkahs off of, of the ground, at least one tefach, o shehifligamin hakosel tefach, so either you can raise them up off the ground or you can offset it from the wall, the one that's leaning against the wall, put a one tefach bar between the wall and the top of the sukkah. So then that already solves the problem. Tefach ashahik shera, that actually works. That's the Shita Rabbi Eliezer. My time, my Why are the rabbis lenient? Says the Gemara, because the rabbis hold shipue ohalim ohalim damo. The angles of the top of a tent are considered, to, the slant of a tent is considered to be an ohel. And that's a minimum requirement that we're looking for is that there needs to be some status of an ohel. Um, and that is how these two shitas explain themselves. Now for story time, a brief story that discusses the application of this machlokas in the Tanoim. Abaye, Ashkechei l'Rav Yosef, the Kagani Bekilas Chasan and Besukah. Abaye saw that Rav Yosef was, le- was lying down, Gane in Aramaic is resting, Bekilas Chasan. And remember, we discussed all the bed sukkahs, we discussed what the angles of the beds were. Were they four poles? That was Kinupa, or was it the two poles? I can't remember the word that the Gemara used, that a funny word, whatever it was. Anyways, the Gemara has discussed the Kilas Chasanim separately. It's a bed that has sloped, um, it has like a sloped roof to the bed, a sloped canopy. So he saw that he was resting there. So Amar Marley, Abaye says to Rav Yosef, generations, don't forget, Abaye learned under Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, third century Amor, Abaye, fourth century Amor, Abaye was younger. So he says to the generation older, he says, Omar Lehi Keman, who do you hold like? Are you holding Kirabi Eliezer? The Rabbi Eliezer says in our Mishnah that this type of sukkah is posel, that it's not kosher, and therefore you can sit in it in a sukkah because it's a, not, it's a nothing. It's not, a, it's not an anything. And therefore, the sukkah that surrounds the Kilas Chasan is mutter. How can it be that you hold like Rabbi Eliezer? Shavka Srabonon, the Avadat Kirabi Eliezer. You're, what about Yachid Virabim Halacha Kirabim? You decided you're going to hold like Rabbi Eliezer. We have rules. You can't just decide who you want to hold like. It isn't arbitrary. You should be holding like the Rabbana. So Amar Le, Rav Yosef says back, no, there's a Brisa that conflicts with our Mishnah. Brisa Ipchatani. 
the brisa that we have reverses the shitas of who holds what. In our Mishnah, we have that Rabbi Eliezer is the machmer, and he says that these sukkahs that are on an angle are puzzle, and the chachamim are lenient. But in the brisa, ibchatani, it is taught in the reverse, 10 lines down. Rabbi Eliezer, machshir, he's the lenient one here in the brisa. Vachachamim poslim. Beautiful. So that's how Rabbi Yosef was of the opinion that the kilas chasanim that he was resting in was not considered to be a sukkah because he held like the rabbanon in the brisa. The rabbanon in the brisa held that that kilas chasanim was doesn't count as anything, and therefore the surrounding sukkah would still be considered valid. But then says the Gemara, and we've highlighted this idea probably five to ten times since Shah started. Shavkas masnis and vavadet kibrisa. You, you're you're overlooking. You have you have two equal equal footing information. You've got one brisa that says Rabbi Eliezer says X and the other brisa says he says Y. So if you have two of them being equal, all things being equal, we accept a Mishnah over a brisa. Mishnahs are more powerful. This comes up in Pesach where you have to paskin one way or the other. We don't paskin like a brisa over a Mishnah, all things being equal. A Mishnah is more powerful. So Rabbi Yossi gave an answer. Oh, don't worry. I hold like the brisa. That's a bad answer because that means that you're overlooking our Mishnah on the top of your Testament base in order to hold like a brisa that we don't hold like prices over Mishnahites when everything is, when everything else is equal. So says the Gemara, Amar later, Yosef says back to Abba, Abaye, no, Masnisen, our Mishnah is Yechidahi. Our Mishnah is the exception and not the rule. Why is our Mishnah the exception and not the rule? Because the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, here we go, the Tanya, we're three lines up above the Mishnah. On your testament base, Tanya, what is the brisa right? We have another brisa that seems to be just like our Mishnah in its cases. It's talking about the dome shape of a sukkah, and it's talking about the sukkah that's leaning at an angle against the wall. So there, what do we see? Rabbi Nasan Omer, Rabbi Nasan, the key to the understanding this is that Rabbi Nasan was a das yachid. Rabbi Nasan Omer, the Rabbi Eliezer is posel, this brisa in quoting Rabbi Nasan is exactly like our Mishnah, but Rabbi Nasan was a das yachid, which means really, the whole the shitas in this brisa need to be flipped. And therefore, we have two brisas that support the approach of Rav Yosef, two brises that say the opposite of our Mishnah, and therefore when you have two brises against one, then there's no problem with holding like the brises. We just follow the, the, the simple logic of majorities. It must be that if there are three people talking and two of them said one thing and all of them are educated, so then it's likely that the, that the majority rules and therefore all is well. If we were poskin, if we had to poskin uh, from what we just learned, we'd look up at our Mishnah and reverse the shitas of Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim, and we would say that Rabbi Eliezer is machshir those sukkahs, and that the Chachamim are posel, and that would be how we paskin. And uh, that is quoted that way in Shulchan Aruch, that way that we paskin like the shita of Rabbi, Eli, Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah, which technically is the Chachamim, because we reverse their shitas. Okay, that brings us to a new Mishnah, just about halfway down on your Testament base. Let's say that you have a mat that's made out of uh, that's made out of kanim. It's made out of poles and it's gedola. This may sound like a non-important Rashi. We'll see later today why it's a very important Rashi. Rashi is about two thirds of the way down. The first one at the new Mishnah. Uh, it's a very hard mat. It's not comfortable to sit on. This is not a yoga mat. This is like buying one of those. Um, you know, very, very large pulled schach mats and sitting on them for fun. It's not comfortable. Nobody would want to sit on those. Okay, so that's what the Mishnah is talking about is large mats that are made out of poles. So says the Gemara, it depends on what your intention was when you made it. If what you made it for was to lie down on it, so then it has the status of a clean. 
and a kli is makabal tuma. And if it's makabal tuma, then you can't use it for schach. So if you if it was asal shchiva, if the way that you made it, your intention was to make it to rest upon it, then mikabelas tuma ve'in misachachinbo, because those two those things are always the same. If it's makabal tuma, no schach. It's not makabal tuma, then it can be used for schach. So here you made it for shchiva. So let's say, for example, uh, you decided to make a yoga mat out of uh, out of a natural gidulim in a karka. Once you've dedicated it to that purpose, you can no longer use it for schach. But if you just made a mat, you know, and you uh, you made it for for schach, it's the same shape, same mat. You made two of them, one for yoga, and you made one for then then the one that you made for the sukkah is much. That's the next line of the Mishnah. Lesikuch, if your kavana when you made this mat was specifically to use it for schach, so then says the Gemara, we're halfway down your testament base. Then says the Mishnah, lesikuch mesachachin tuma. Always both. Oh, they're always going to go together. If it's not makabel tuma, then it can be used for schach. All of that is the Tanakama. If you'll note, the Tanakama only spoke about machatzelas kanim gedola. He only spoke about large mats. He didn't speak about small mats. However, let's see what the what the dissenting opinion in the Mishnah writes. Rabbi Eliezer Omer achas ketana veachas gedola. He says no. You, you weren't inclusive enough, Tanakama. You need to include both. Whether or not the mat is large or small, if you make it for use, a yoga mat, then then that's it's a kli. And therefore, you are uh, you are not allowed to use it for schach. But if you made it for schach, even if it's small, so then obviously you can use it for schach because your intentions were pure. It's not a kli until you make it a kli. And therefore, all is well, and you're allowed to use it. Now, what we're going to be doing for the next Amud is trying to understand, we're reading between the lines. We spoke about whether or not your intentions were for the sake of making a mat to use, or if your intentions were for making schach. What if you had neutral intentions? What if your intentions were stam? I work in a factory. I don't care how you use my product as long as you buy it. Makes no difference to me. So if I'm the producer of these bamboo mats and some of my consumers want to buy it for yoga mats and some of my consumers want to buy it for schach, personally, I don't care. So let's say I'm Jewish and I own that and my kavana is not l'shchiva and it's not l'sikuch. I push it, don't care. I'm stam. So there, this Mishnah doesn't discuss that. So the Gemara's opening question right now is a question of of conflicting implications in our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, Hagufa Kashya. You've left us contradictory implications within the ratio of the Mishnah. How so? Amris, you said in our Mishnah that if your intention was a sa'al shriva, that you made it to be used, to be laid upon. So then, under those circumstances, but that's because you had kavana for shriva. Taima, the reason why we said it was mekabal tuma and why you can't use it for schach was because it was a sa'al shriva. Ha, what do we imply from there? Ha, stama. But if your intentions were neutral, parif, I don't care, nothing, right? my mind is blank, then, hastama lesikuch. What seems to be implied from the first line of the Mishnah is that because the Mishnah specifically says that if you have in mind to make it a mat, then you cannot use it for schach, it implies that if you had nothing in mind, you can use it for schach. So, stam lesikuch. However, says the Gemara, v'hadar tani, then the Mishnah in the very next line says that if you have in mind lesikuch, then mesachachin bava'ena mekabelas tuma. And this line says that if you have intention to use it for schach, you can. Well, what's implied from this line? What's the reason why that works? Because taima de'asa lesikuch. The reason why that mat can be used for schach is because your kavana was to use it for schach. And what's the implication here? Hastama l'shchiva. That implies that if you're stam, if you had par of intentions, not l'shchiva and not l'sikuch, 
then it should not work in this case. It should be l'shchiva, that it's as if you've made it to use a mat that you're going to lay upon, and that's unacceptable for schach. So it's not that the Mishnah has contradictions, it's that the inferences from the Mishnah have contradictions. How do we get out of this problem? Says the Gemara, we're three-fourths of the way down, 12 lines or so from the bottom of the page, hello, Kashya. This is not a difficulty. Khan bigdola, Khan Biktana. That's what the Mishnah says. We're right up against the parentheses toward the bottom of the page on your Testament base. Don't worry. One of the implications is by is by Gedola, and that is the implication of that if you have no intentions, we assume that it is mutter to use for schach. And the other implication, which is to the negative, where we assume that it's not kosher, that's talking about a mat that is katana. That's a fine answer because the Tanakhama does not himself distinguish between a mat that's gadol and a mat that's kata. However, this is not a fine distinction for the next shita in the, in the Mishnah that we saw, which is Rabbi Eliezer. Skipping the parentheses and really replacing the parentheses with the words Ema Seifa, Ema Seifa is going to introduce a question. Wait one second. Wait one second. You're trying to tell me that the distinction in the Tanakama was whether or not the mat was big or small. And that's how we answered the contradiction of the implications of the Resha, where in one implication, it seemed that having stam intention would be mutter to use for schach, and in one implication, it would be to the negative that you cannot use it for schach. That doesn't work. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, we're quoting from our Mishnah now. Rabbi Eliezer says it doesn't make a difference what size the mat is. The mat can be large or small, and our Mishnah says the halacha would be the same. What did, what did, the, what did that first line of Rabbi Eliezer say? He said, um, that asal shchiva, that if you make the mat for laying upon it, then mekabelis tuma vein mesachachin, but that of course you cannot use it for schach because you made a yoga mat out of the, that's pasha, that's obvious that you're not allowed to do that. The Gemara makes the diuk from the first line of Rabbi Eliezer. Taima, the reason why we said that it's tame to use for, that it's mekabel tuma and cannot be used for schach is the asal shchiva. The reason why is because you, you made it specifically with intention to be used for a man. Hastama, and the implication therefore is that had you been parav in your intentions, neutral, not thinking about anything, then lesikuch. But for the second line of Rabbi Eliezer has a reverse implication. What's the second line of Rabbi Eliezer? He says that, remember, we said whether it's large or small, then he says that if your specific intentions when you make the mat is that it's going to be used for schach, so then, yes, you are allowed to use that. What's the problem with all of this? Taima says the Gemara, see here, we have the same exact question in Rabbi Eliezer that we had in the Tanakama. And that is that both the Tanakama and Rabbi Eliezer say, if you make it with, a, with the intention for Shriva, it doesn't work. And if you make it with intent for Shach, it does work. But the implications, the reverse implications of those are, are contradictory. So therefore, you can't answer like you tried five lines ago to say, ah, it's achas katana, well, it depends what we're talking about, gdola or katana. You can't say that because Rabbi Eliezer's whole shita is that it applies to both gdola and katana. So now we have a stira and implications, even though Rabbi Eliezer said it's true for both gdola and katana. So therefore, the previous answer that we gave did not work. Now let's go to a more robust answer. Four lines from the bottom, your testament bays. How do we understand the conflicting implications of our Mishnah Let's ask the question a little more globally. Um, instead of asking in the weeds, we'll ask it at 10,000 feet. What are our perceptions of making a mat with zero intentions, neutral intentions? We know what it's gonna be like if you have specific intentions of making it l'shriva, that's gonna be problematic. It's gonna be a clean, cannot be used. And we know what's gonna happen if you have the intentions of making it for schach, you're gonna be fine. 
then it can be used for schaf. We still don't have clarity on how to understand our Mishnah when it comes to having stam das, just neutral intent. So it says the Gemara, Ela Amar Rava, and this answer will be rejected on the top of the next Amar. <laughs> Ela Amar Rava, Bigdola kule alma lo pligi, the stama sikuch. Everyone agrees, says Rava, that when it comes to a large mat, all right, we don't even know what large means here. When it comes to a large mat, everyone agrees that stam das, your neutral intention is that it can be used for schach. Because it's abnormal to make a yoga mat that's 20 feet by 20 feet. Nobody does that. And it's not normal. So what, again, whatever that shear is, that we're not concerned about. If it's gedola, kuleyalma lo pligi pligi. Where do the Tanakama and Rabbi Eliezer and our Mishnah argue? So it says the Gemara, ki pligi biktana. The only argument is in a small mat. Tanakama savar stam ketana l'shchiva. The Tanakama was of the opinion, and that's why the Tanakama completely left it out. Remember, I highlighted this before, that when the Tanakama framed out his case, he only spoke about a machatzelis gedola. Why did he leave out a machatzelis ketana? Now the Gemara is telling us, because two lines from the bottom, Tanakama savar that stam ketana l'shchiva. We have a, a standing assumption that if you're making a smaller mat, we assume that if you had neutral intention, that it was meant to be laid upon because that's much more normal for a small mat. If you have a sukkah, but my sukkah is 12 by 20. I'm not making a yoga mat sized, uh, that's not happening. I'm like, it's way too much, way too many pieces of schach to manage. So most people don't have tiny, tiny sukkahs. Even the minimum shear that we discuss, Zion al Zion. Nobody lives in a sukkah like that. That's for, that's just for halachic parameters of the absolute minimum. You cannot fit in there. It's tiny. It's un, it's unusable effectively, other than it's a mamish minimum in halacha. So of course, the smaller mats says rava. That's where we have our machlokas. That the Tanakama says that stam das that the neutral intentions when it comes to a small mat is l'shchiva that it's meant to be laid upon. Therefore, it's makabel tuman cannot be used for schach. Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah savar stam ktana nami He argues and says that your neutral intention, even by a small mat, even though it's less likely to use for schach and more likely to be used as a yoga mat, fine, under those circumstances, nami l'sikuch, he is mekel. And then says the Gemara at the top of Chafa, Meral v'hachi ka'amar, here is what we are really saying. Um, what the Gemara is doing here when it says v'hachi ka'amar, because it already gave us the explanation of the shitas, is now it's going to give us the shitas as it's woven into the Mishnah. Here's how to read the Mishnah. When a person makes a very large mat. So this is Tanakama. If your intention is to make it to lay upon it, then of course, then uh, if you make it for the purpose of lying on it, then that it's a Kli, and then it's Mekabal Tuma, and you cannot use it for Schach. Taima, what's the inference from this line of the Mishnah? <clears throat> the reason why is because your specific intent when you were making it was to be something that you rest upon it, therefore it's a clear, therefore it's makabal tuma, and therefore you're not allowed to use it for schach. What's the diuk, third line? Hastama, but without any intentions, neutral intent, so then, nasa kemisha saw the sikuchu masachachin ba, and that's the sheet of the Tanakama. Skip all the parentheses, four, three, four lines down, and then all of that is Tanakama land. Also, Rabbi Eliezer, Lemaymar, what is Rabbi Eliezer coming in to add to the Tanakama? Because remember, Rabbi said there is no machlokas by the math that's big. He agrees with that. 
he agrees with that. And another reason, that's another reason why the Tanakama excluded the Katana from the Mishnah, because that's not what we're talking about. He only holds that by Gdola, there's no Machlokas. And at the end of the parentheses here, six, seven lines down, but also Rabbi Eliezer, the Maymar, it's not just the Gdola. Achas Katana ve'achas Gdola, stomach sheir l'sikuch. And that's Rava's explanation. No Machlokas by Gdola. Everyone agrees that neutral das by a large mat is going to be Mutter to use for schach, and when it comes to Ketana, the Tanakam is Machmir, and Rabbi Eliezer is Mekel. But this bothers Abaye tremendously. Remember, Abaye and Rava, contemporaries, and they argued um, regularly and viciously throughout Shas, um, though with some love. We already saw just the other day that Rava came to save the day for Abaye in trying to answer. It's Mocham Shel Torah. I heard Rabbi Kohn say uh, once many years ago, he did something on maybe Hoshana Rabbah. It was in his sukkah. I don't remember all the details. But he said that, uh, and he was giving pshat in that medrash chazal. He said, there is a measured amount of milchama in the world. And when people fight to understand a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Torah, you're lowering the volume of milchama in the world. Is maximum capacity, whatever the number is. Every milchama that you have with someone in Torah, the Shem Shamayim, reduces the volume of milchama in the world. That's what Rabbi Kohen said. He said this about... I don't know, 20 years, 18 years ago, a long time ago. Uh, not, not 20 years ago, but close to it. Anyways, so uh, Abaye and Rav are, are arguing here as well. We're eight lines down. Amarle Abaye, hold on one second. Hold on one second. You're trying to tell me that there's no machlokes with a mat that's large? That's not possible. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Amarle Abaye, Ihachi, Rava, if your approach is correct that there's no machlokes by a big mat and only by small ones, then Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, the language in the Mishnah of Rabbi Eliezer is wrong. It shouldn't have said Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, achas ketana achas gadola, even if it's small and even if it's big. The chiddish should have been the last one. Here's how in our parlance. I'll tell you, yeah, the big one is kosher, but even the small one is kosher. What does the Mishnah say? Small before big. That's not the way we would have spoken. It's not the right way to frame your argument. And if Rabbi Eliezer is in fact coming along to push against the Tanakama and say that even by a sukkah tana, neutral das is also kosher for schach, it should have been the other way. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, achas ketana ve'achas gedola. He should have said it the other way. Achas gedola ve'achas ketana mi baile. We always add in the chiddush last. It's natural when we're arguing. Not only that, but even that, right? That's how we talk. That's the way we talk. So the Gemara is bothered by the framing of Rabbi Eliezer if Rava's right. Not only that, here's the second argument against Rava's approach. Odin, furthermore, you said the argument was only about big mat, that the argument was only about small mats, but we agree by the big mat. No, that's not correct. You said that we argue by small mats, but Ode, keep pligi. Where do they really argue? It's not by small mats, big dola who depligi. They really argue by small mats. How do I know this? Says Abaye, because uh, because of a brisa. What does the brisa say? The brisa will show us that Rabbi Eliezer Luchumra, the Rabbi Eliezer was strict. What did our Mishnah show us according to Rava? Within Rava's frame, the only machlokas was by a sukkah ketana, and we saw that Rabbi Eliezer was the lenient one. This brisa shows Rabbi Eliezer to be strict, and that the machlokas says about something else. Detanya, what does the brisa write? We're one third of the way down on Davchaf Medalev. The brisa writes, Machatzelas Akonim Gedola. That's our Mishnah, but in brisa, right? It's our same case of our Mishnah, but the brisa discusses it. We have a mat um, made out of made out of poles, and it's large. What size is this? Gedola. What is Rabbi Eliezer's opinion on this brisa? Rabbi Eliezer Omer, only if it's not Makabal Tuma. You have to make sure that it. Uh, did I skip a line? 
No, no, I did not. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, you have to have intent to make sure that it's not Makabal Tumah, it's not Stam. So what do we see in this Brisa? The Rabbi Eliezer is arguing in the case of a large mat. And if you just scan back four lines from the bottom of your Testament base, look at what Rava said. No, 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 no. This Brisa says that's Dafka where they are arguing. And Rabbi Eliezer was the Mahmir one. So Rava's answer through the lens of Abaye is doubly difficult. And therefore the Gemara pivots and turns to another Amura. Ela Amar Rav Papa. Rav Papa says, no, you got our whole Mishnah wrong. Here's Pshat in our Mishnah. Biktana, when it comes to a small mat, everyone agrees that when it comes to a small mat and you have no intention, we therefore assume it's a yoga mat. We assume it's l'shchiva, that it's going to be laid upon. It's a kli, cannot be used as chach. That everyone agrees to. Keep pligi, where do they have an argument? They have an argument, big dola, when it comes to a large mat. What's the argument? Tanakama savar stam gedola lesikuch. The Tanakama of our Mishnah, who only referenced the gedola to start with, he says that the stam nature, if you have just neutral das, stam das, when it comes to a large mat, the halacha is that it's kosher for schach. But Rabbi Eliezer, savar stam gedola nami l'shchiva. That's a big chumrah. It also aligns with the Brisa that Abaye quoted that Rabbi Eliezer was going to be the Machmir opinion. So Rabbi Eliezer, and if that's the case, then the Gemara is bothered by one thing. If Stam Gedola, if a large mat with no intention is automatically going to be Lashchiva, uh, we're always we're automatically going to assume that it's going to be a Kli and therefore Makabal Tuma and therefore not good for Schach. Why did Rabbi Eliezer say the next line? Umay Asa'a Lashchiva de Ka'amar. That's obvious. If when you have neutral das on the large mat, halacha is that it's uh, considered to be l'shchiva. Certainly, if you have intention for it to be l'shchiva, it's going to be l'shchiva, that it's going to be makabal tumah. So why did, why did Rabbi Eliezer go out of his way to add into our Mishnah a case that's blaringly obvious? If Rabbi Eliezer was of the opinion that a neutral mat is, is, is possible for schach, he's certainly going to have in mind when your intentions, he's certainly going to hold that when your intentions were to not use it for schach, that it can't be used for schach. So the Gemara says, hachi kamar. This is pshat in the Gemara. He said, this will bring us to the middle of the page to the Tan Rabban. And hachi kamar, what does Rabbi Eliezer Hold stam asiyasa nami He says it's not just he's just making he's he's highlighting something. He's just saying it's never going to be mutter for schach unless you have specifically the intention to use it for schach. There's no other option. It's it's a it's a whitelist. This has this is the only way to get it done. You want to take a large mat and you want to make it so that it can be used for schach. You have one thing to do in your head think that I want to use this for schach. There are no other iterations. And that's why the Mishnah went out of its way to speak about a case that's obvious in order to make sure we know that Rav Papa's answer seems to be embraced. Now, as I mentioned, there was an important Rashi we saw two thirds of the way down in New Testament base that qualified the last Amud of discussion about a mat that was made out of a very hard material. The reason why that's important is because we're about to jump into what seems to be total contradictions of what we just learned. It's not a contradiction because all the mats that we're about to talk about are very soft and comfortable. So that changes things. Right, so there are some mats that people buy. They're not comfortable. They're not meant to be comfortable, and therefore maybe it can be schach. But when they're all comfortable, things change a little bit. That brings us right to the middle of Kaf Let's continue. Tana Rabban and the rabbis have taught us Machatzela Shel Shifa Gemi. These are uh, they, they, these are plants that grow near 
uh, a water source. They're very soft plants. If it's a large plant, you can use it for schach. You're taking these materials and, and making them into some type of uh, some type of usable schach. That's fine. No machlokes of Rabbi Eliezer here. Everyone seems to agree. Shalkin and Michel Chayelas. These are grass types as well, also very soft. So then gedola mesachachinba. Only the large one. It doesn't say anything about the small one. Why is it left out? These are good questions to ask. Aruga. What if you've woven them together? Right, uh, over, under, over, under in both directions. You do like a handmade weave, like, like you see, you'll see in wicker and wicker baskets, like that over, under weave. Let's say it's aruga, it's woven together, then in mesachachinba. The fact that you made it into that form, that shows you that it's not schach. So the dogma, let's say the material that holds the hadasim and arabos, you know, that the, the yellowy, that it's made out of the ferns, it's made out of the right material. It's gidulomina karka, but the fact that you wove it together might be problematic. Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yossi Omer, nope, he says, even though it's aruga, even though it's been woven together, the halacha is that it can still be utilized for schach. And this is an important line that we'll come back to too, that this is totally appropriate to use. It's aruga, it's woven together. However, we still view it as not being makabal tuma. And because it's not makabal tuma, it can be used for schach. We'll come back to Rabbi Dosa's shita shortly. It's not hasam. We have a Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, we don't yet know what chotzalos means. We're going to learn two different sheets as to what that is shortly. Kol hachotzalos metamen tamei meis divir abdosa. Abdosa was of the opinion that chotzalos are metamei tamei meis that they can become tamei. We have to figure out what chotzalos are, but yes, they're subject to becoming tamei meis. The chachamim omrim medris. They're not actually uh, able to become tamei meis mamish. Only tumas medris. Tumas medris is when a woman such as Anida would sit down or put her weight onto something so her, she can transfer her tuma to that item. This is the story I've shared with you before. I'm going to share it again because it's a fun story. When I uh, when I went to only Texas population, probably four, it was just the people in the house. Very, very small, uh, very, very small crowd. I walked into the house, not a Jewish family to do a circumcision. And the woman uh, would not, uh, she didn't extend her hand to shake my hand. I didn't extend my hand to shake hers. And she said, you're welcome in our house. Mamish You can sit everywhere in my house except for my chair because I remain impure because I just gave birth. It was Tumas Yoledes, Tumas Medris. She sat down on that chair. It was the only chair she sat in so that everyone else in her house wouldn't become tummy from the Tumas Medris. Goyda Raisa. We're the Amaratim. These are Psukim and Chumish. The problem is that we don't have a base of Mikdash, so we're not Makbir on Tuma Vitara anymore. But she knew she was holding. She was holding. So that's Tumas Medris. They're like holding halacha. They're very stark. So anyways, that's Tumas Medris. So there's a Machlokes in regards to Chotzalos. Do we say that they're subject to Tumas Meis like Rabdosa, or are they only subject to Tumas Medris like the Shita of the Chachamim? So first the Gemara just uh, makes a, a quick div. Medris in Tamei Meis lo. It seems to be the Shita of the Chachamim would say that by the Chotzalos that it's only Tumas Medris and not Tumas Meis, but that's difficult. But we have a Mishnah that doesn't agree with that, ass- that assertion because we have a Mishnah that writes where is this Mishnah? The Mishnah is in Maseches Nida. Call hametame medras metame tame meis. Anything that it, any item that is subject to tumas medras is also automatically subject to tumas meis. So how can the Chachamim have their opinion? So says the Gemara. You're right. You're right. Ema af medras. What the machlokas between Rabbi Dosa and the Chachamim in regards to tuma here is that according to Rabbi Dosa, the chotzalos are only metame tumas meis, and according to the Chachamim, they are also metame tumas medras. That's the machlokas between them. Now, what is all of that? What? Is, why are we talking about tuma vatara? Let's figure all that out. My chotzalos. This machlokas that we're having between Rabbi Dosa and the Chachamim 
is all about these items called chotzelos. Amar Rav Avdimi, what are chotzelos? Amar Rav Avdimi bar Hamduri, he says marzuvli. Thank you very much. What are marzuvli? My marzuvli, says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Abba, mizable. Another word that we have no idea what it is. Thank you very much to Rashi, four lines from the bottom, Dibra Maschal, mizable, bolos. There are these types of uh, sack, it's some type of sack, the commentaries call it tarmil. It's kind of like having a backpack and you stuff it with some comfortable stuff and you use it as your pillow when you're when you're traveling around. So one is basically a sack that they would use, use for, for multi-purpose, for the Sleep on as well. Rib Shimon, uh, Rib Shimon ben Laki Shomer, no, no, that's not what Chotzalos are. Chotzalos are regular Machotzalos Mamish. They're just regular mats. So this is the Machlokas, Chotzalos, as it relates to the Machlokas of Rabbi Dosa and the Chachamim about what, uh, what, whether or not these Chotzalos can become Tame Mace or if they can become Tame Mace and Tame Medras. That's the Machlokas. So that's the Machlokas here as well in regards to what, uh, what item we're talking about according to the Shita of. <clears throat> Well, it was the first shita. The first shita was Rav Avdimi Bar Hamdui that we're talking about these sacks that are used as as pillows or uh, something to sleep on, or are they actual mats? And the other Reish Lakish, the time they were eight lines, seven lines from the bottom of the page on Kaf Amaralef. The Amar Reish Lakish, Hareni Kaparas Rabbi Chia Obanov. I would like to be the Kapara for Rabbi Chia Obanov. They had already passed away. So the line of Hareni Kaparas is that the surim that I experience should be a Kapara for that person. You'll sometimes hear. People say Hareni Kaparas Avi, Avi Moriel. Here people say that sometimes that for the things that I, I go through and struggle, let that be a Segula, who knew? Let that be something that could be a merit for those who've passed on to the next world. People in the next world can't elevate. Uh, that's why we're here now, to get as many mitzvahs as we can. But people in the other world, they work off of other people's merits. That's why we say Kaddish, that's why we learn Mishnah, Neshama, all the Torah that's over there. So that's Hareni Kaparas is a language of I want to support uh, someone who's already in the next world. And he said this about Rabbi Chiyobanov. What's going on there? What's the story with Rabbi Chiyobanov? Shebit Chila, initially, uh, when the Jewish people were off their game, not the first time in history, uh, so they, uh, they were forgetting things. And Allah Ezra mi bavel v'yasta. So then Ezra came up and he reestablished, uh, hashi, you know, he reestablished the values of Torah. Chazra v'nishtakha, it was forgotten again. Allah Hillel habavli v'yasta, and Hillel habavli came up and then he established Torah. And then for the third time, Chazra v'nishtakha, and Alu Rabbi Chia bana v'yastuha, and that Rabbi Chia and his children. They are the ones who reestablished Torah that third time. Two lines from the bottom. The kach amar Rabbi Chia. The word Ubanov does not belong there. The kach amar Rabbi Chia. Rabbi Chia said the following. Lo nechleku Rabbi Dosa v'chachamim al machatzalos shel Usha. There is no machlokas between Rabbi Dosa and the chachamim by the machatzalos of the city of Usha. What is the standing assumption about the machatzalos of the city of Usha? So says the Gemara, shehein tmeos, that they are tamei. Rashi says, that they're even going to be Tame Medris. Nobody argues with that about uh, the Machatzelos of Usha. Vishal Tveria, everyone agrees in Tveria that they are Tahoros, Shehin Tahoros. Alma Nechleku, where then is the Machlokas between Rabbi Dos and the Chachamim about how much Tuma can be contracted by the Chotzelos? So says the Gemara, Al Sha'ar Mekomos, that's only for different cities. Marsav Arkeban Deleka Diyasi Balaihu, since in general these, these Chotzelos, they have nobody who really lies on them. So then it's Kidit Tveria Damian, that's similar to Tveria. If nobody uses them, then they should be Tower. Since sometimes people do lie on them, it's Kidusha Damyon, and then they would be Tame. So we see that there's no Machlokas there. And uh, we also see that these things were for, were for resting upon. Seems to be that they're like a, like a regular mat. 
That was the Shita of Ravashi, and that's how we, not Ravashi, of Reish Lakish, and that's how we got into this whole discussion about Nishtak Chatorah Yisrael. So that's a Raya Brura, says the Gemara, that uh, Rav Shimon ben Lakish was of the opinion that they're talking about regular mats. Now, I mentioned the Shita of Rabbi Dosa, who said that even the mats that were Aruga, even the mats that were woven together of the soft materials, he said that that still can be used for schach, which means that it's not makabal tuma. And mamish means it's not makabal tuma. Like there's, it doesn't even capture tumas mace. It's not makabal tuma. You have to be a cleave to become tame. So says the Gemara, we have to analyze the sheet of Rabbi Dosa. Amar mar, in this discussion about, about chotzalos, and this is why the Gemara is here. Amar mar, kol ha-chotzalos metamen tame mace tivi rabdosa. Rabdosa was of the opinion that these chotzalos, kol ha-chotzalos, all of the mats are metame tumas mace. How can you say that? 12 lines ago in the Gemara, v'hatanya v'chein hai Rabbi Dosa amar kedvarav. The Rabbi Dosa agreed with another sheet in the Tanaim that says that something that is a chotzalos is not you can't say both. You can't say that kol ha-chotzalos are makabaltuma, and you can't also say on the bottom of kafa medalev that I hold like the guy who said that the chotzalos are not makabaltuma. Pick one. It's not right. So it says the Gemara, Lokashia, ha de isle gedanfa, ha de lesle gedanfa. It depends. It depends as to whether or not there is a rim on the basket. So this is something that we could easily envision. You can imagine a basket, uh, it has very loose edges. It's almost kind of wavy because there's nothing, no tight rim holding it together, like on our undershirts. We put a tight rim on there to make it a real cleat. If it wasn't like that, your shirt would be all over the place. It would be a disaster. This material at the top of the collar is much tighter. It's not as elastic, and it's meant to keep the shirt in a certain form. So the same thing is true by a cleat. When you put a rim on that woven cleat, now you're showing me that this isn't schach anymore. You're showing your intention that this is a cleat. And because it's a cleat, it's not, because it's a cleat, it's makabal tuman, cannot be used for schach. So that's the isle gedanfa, when it has a cleat. However, when there is no kli, so then already, uh, that is already schach, no problem at all. And that's how we, we explain the two uh, widely disparate shitas of Rebbe Dosa. The one where he says that it's considered to be mutter, that's where there's no gedanfa, where there's no kli. That was the brysa we saw on the bottom of the previous page on Dachafa Merala. And up here on the top, when we ask from the brysa right above where, uh, uh, where the brysa says that uh, he holds a kol ha-chotzalos metamen, so that has to be in a case where they are, where they are, where they were, where they did have a rim and they were actually Caleb. Mesve says the Gemara, hold on one second. Chotzalos, we have other types of chotzalos. Shall sha'am, vishal gemi, vishal sak, vishal sphira. This is uh, uh, the art scroll translates all of these as papyrus, bulrush, don't know what that is. Goat hair, I know what that is, and horse hair. So, but basically, these are uh, the following types of items. So then, the Brisa writes, "Mitame tame meis divi rabidos omrim af medras." So this is the machlokas by these four items of papyrus, bulrush, goat hair, and horse hair that the that the Tanakama rabidosa holds that they're subject to tumas meis, and the chachamim say that they they're even tame tumas medras. So asks the Gemara, we're about a quarter of the way down, twelve lines down, kafam bays, heading toward the end of the parak. I could understand, according to the shita that says that chotzalos are these types of sacks that have multiple uses to them. You could sleep on it as a pillow. You can, it's a backpack. I understand if you want to say that. Why? Because shel sham v'shel gemi, these materials of papyrus and bulrush, those are chazi kinta de peire. These are good for very, very large fruits. See, we wouldn't have known this because this is not our expertise, not mine for sure. But when you weave a bag out of sha'am and gemi, out of papyrus and out of uh, and out of bulrush, it's a very, very loose type of uh, 
bag and there are some holes in it. You can't put small fruits in there, but it is fit for large fruits. Shel sak b'shel sfira, when it comes to goat hair and to horse hair, which can be woven much more tightly, chazu legul kivitsani, then this is going to be good for very, very small items and containers. So then I understand. If you're going to say that chotzalos are, are those small sackcloth bags, I got you. That makes perfect sense. But according to Rabshem ben Lakish, who holds that chotzalos are really just mats that you're going to possibly lie upon, so then I understand how you could say when it comes to goat hair and horse hair, that it's going to be considered um, usable for a curtain, right? From the word, uh, like, like, like we have by the base HaMikdash, it's going to be like the parochis, it's a parsa, that's going to be a covering. That's like a colander or a sieve. So then, yes, that hair is very, very tightly woven and you can use it, you can pour wine through and the sediment will be caught inside because the fibers are tightly together. But if you're going to say, says the Gemara, if you are of the opinion, that the mat that we're talking about, that chotzelos are a mat, mamish, then of what use is sham shvishel gemi? They don't hold things tight at all. They can't function as a sieve and they can't function as a curtain because they're see-through. Lamai chazu. So says the Gemara, chazu liniziyasa. They, they can be used in order to cover things like a barrel that don't need to be tightly covered. They can even be loosely covered. And even though there are holes in the weave, it doesn't make a difference. It still has a use. And then this uh, argument is flipped on its head, this question and answer, some ask and answer the question as follows. I could understand, I could understand that according to the one who says that chotzelos are really a mat, so then, and the, that, it, that can be used for uh, covering barrels. It's a very loose type of uh, material that works out fine. That which is of a tighter weave, which is the hair of goats and the hair of uh, of horses, and that can be used for a curtain, and that can be used for a sieve to pour something through and keep the sediment uh, to get caught in the fibers. Ella, uh, halfway down, but according to the initial shita that we learned, that when we talk about chotzelos, we're talking about an actual bag of some kind. So I could understand when it comes to the hair of goats and, and horses, where it's a much tighter weave, I can keep very small items in there because it's a tight weave. But if it's, a, if it's papyrus and if it's bulrush, which does not have a tight weave, what then is the value of the bag? This is basically two ways of expressing the same idea that both shitas of what Tzalos means are actually still valid. One last little bit for the night until we get to the end of the parak. Tanya, the Brisa writes, Amar Rabbi Chananya, Kshayarati Lagola, when I went into exile, Matsasi Zakein Echad, I found one older Jew, the Amar Li Misachachin Bibudya, that we are allowed to use mats for Schach. Budya is a mat. When I came to Rabbi Yoshua, who's my uncle, Hoda Ledvarav, he agreed to this Zakein Echad. Amar Rav Chizda, Rav Chizda said, When can you use something as schach? Only if it doesn't have a rim on it. Only if it doesn't have some type of clear uh, line of demarcation that this is uniquely a cleat. Amar Ula, Hani Budisa, 
these mats that are in Mechoza, if not for the fact that they had a cure, that they had a rim on them, this is the Gedanfa, but just in another in another parlance, in another language, if not for the fact that they had those rims on them, then Mesachachin Behu, but they, did, but they did, so we couldn't use them. Last but not least, the Brisa says the same exact idea, Tanya Nami Hachi, Mesachachin Bebudja Vimyeshlein Kir, Ein Mesachachin Behen. Yes, you can use you can use mats. However, if they do have a rim to them, then they're considered a clean and cannot be used. Hadran Allah, Sukkah Bar Hashem. We finished the first parak and, uh, and a third of the Masechta. And uh, I'm very excited to continue learning. Tomorrow is only one blot, which is extremely exciting for me. I don't know if it's so exciting for you. Uh, we'll stop right here. And the Yeratzim, we should come back to this daf in seven and a half years. Wishing you all a beautiful night.